Hello and welcome to another edition of the Man to Man podcast. I am Trey Vaughn. And with me as always, my man Kelvin Dooley. How's it going today, Kelvin? It's going well. I feel good as a or I feel better than I was previously, but I'm doing fine, man. It's, uh, it's a great day, great week in sports, and I'm ready to discuss it all. Yes, sir. Uh I don't know about you, but it has been a cold uh, just kind of drizzly, cloudy day over here, and I'm not feeling it. It is May. I feel like it's time for the sun to come out and stay out for good. Yes, we're inching closer and closer. We're like we're, yeah. you know, we're past the first month of baseball. So, in baseball is a summer sport. So, once we get past the first month or two, you know, it's a long summer. So, we're we're getting there, but it's closer and closer. Yes, sir. Closer and closer. Um. On the, on the docket today, uh, we're going to discuss a little – we're going to review a little NFL draft. Uh, Kevin and I will just kind of go over the picks that our teams, the Kansas City Chiefs and Denver Broncos, made. Um, and then maybe a few – highlight a few of the bigger uh, picks that kind of stood out to us. Um, I know one in particular that, is, that stood out to me involving a quarterback. Uh, so, we'll, we'll discuss some of those picks. And then we're also going to discuss NBA playoffs. There's a lot that's happened since we last uh, last had a show. So uh, we're going to review review what's happened and preview a couple of game twos that are happening tonight, Tuesday night, inside the NBA. But we will start our show off with the Royals and Cardinals, the I-70 series. Kelvin and I talked about it earlier this year, uh, too, way too early. The, the two I-70 series happened in April and May, so way too soon in the season. We're not going to get to see each other again unless if we meet in the playoffs. So uh, – this will be it for the Royals and Cardinals matchups after they finish up uh, here this week with their two games. But first, before any sports talk, you know we got to go through the national holidays. Kelvin, the one that stands out to me today, the big one, is National Paranormal Day. Uh, my question for this one is, do you believe in ghosts, Kelvin? I do not believe in ghosts. Um, my My huge... The only thing I like about paranormal movies is probably, or excuse me, paranormal, paranormal is probably just the movies. And I, I don't mean like the paranormal actual movies, just, mm. you know, paranormal type of movie movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like horror flicks. So that's probably the closest thing I, I have in a belief with ghosts um, is those, you know, those, those type of films. That's crazy. I, so I believe in ghosts. I think they have to be, they have to be real. Have to be real. Um, I I feel like they do. Like I, like I'm open to hearing, you know, to hearing why they are. But I just, it's so hard for me to get myself to say that they are not real. Ghosts are not real. So, um, yeah, I'm a believer. I think there's some crazy stuff. Um, uh, I think there's encounters. I believe in in some of those encounters. Um, maybe I'm easily fooled. I don't know, but I do believe there is. Uh paranormal activity out there yeah you know i have no reason not to believe that they're real i just i don't know just a floating soul-like spirit just kind of hanging around just i don't yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all that real but I, I, <laughs> I, i'm willing to be wrong there like if i seen a ghost i think i would be nice to it i wouldn't like kick and scream and yell i'd probably like, hey what's <laughs> you know after i, I crap myself i you know try yeah, to make friends a- with it 
That's what I was about to say. I think you might <laughs> kick and scream and yell a little bit and then be like, okay, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we've discussed this before, but um, you believe in aliens, though, right? That there's life like on other planets? Correct. So, yeah, I, I do think there is life form, maybe if it's not even human, that there is some type of life form beside, you know, on anywhere, just not on the earth, somewhere yeah. out there. See, and so that, that's where we differ. I don't, I don't know why, but I believe in ghosts, but I'm not sure about life elsewhere because I feel like by now in 2022, maybe we would have came across it and we would know like 100 yeah. percent. But but I know that's not easy to, to put, you know, our, our technology on those other planets and to come across, you know, other life out there. But I feel like by now we would have seen it, but maybe not. That's again similar to what you just said. That's where I'm willing to be wrong. I, you know, I'm I am willing to be proved wrong on that one because who knows? I have no clue. Yeah, and look, you know, maybe 2022 isn't the year that the alien exposes themselves. Maybe. Um, I think it was maybe a year ago that it came out that the White House had confirmed UFO, uh, UFO, UFOs. Uh, like actual not alien spaceship but just aircraft that they couldn't identify Um, so I don't know I don't it's hard to believe the footage that's out there I don't know what I'm looking at I don't know if I can believe it I just believe that there's aliens out there and I don't mean like Independence Day type aliens or alien versus predator type of aliens I just believe that there's another life form out there and hey check this out if if it is true I like to think that we can beat them up you know, yeah. I don't, you know, <laughs> if they ever invaded planet Earth, I like to think we could take them all. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Don't try to come over here to Earth. If you if there is <laughs> extra life form out there, don't even try to come to Earth. We have too many weapons. Um, but yeah. So um, th- a couple other ones, uh, a couple other national holidays. I feel like we have something for teachers often, but hey, they're deserving of it. Today's National Teacher Day. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, saying thanks to teachers and, and the ones that have, you know, taught us, helped us grow uh, as students and then becoming adults. So thanks to teachers, as well as uh, National Foster Care Day was, was another one they had. So just saying thanks to both of those, those taking care of, of, of children in foster care who needed a home, as well as teachers who helped us in, in school. So uh, thanks to both of those parties. Yeah, 100%, you know, underpaid, undervalued, underserved. Uh, both of those communities and professions are, um, man, I, I think my introduction into the classroom, I had a great teacher, just to, it relates to this, just to give a huge shout out. She'll probably never hear this, her and her husband, um, the Brady family. Okay. When I was in kindergarten, this is truly my first exposure to white people and being able and like, you know, just being welcome. I remember in kindergarten, I had this teacher named Miss Brady and we would go um, I don't know, once a month and spend the night over her and her husband's house um, where they just treated us like family. And it, it was from that moment on, man, it was it was all love. That was like my regardless of if I knew what it meant to treat people fairly, um, my exposure just to, to different people outside of my race. It was that that moment. Then I realized that I can get along and feel loved and give love to anybody. And that came from. Uh, my kindergarten teacher who allowed, you know, to, it was my sister and my sister and I 
who allowed two little black children into the home and just spend the night and have fun, you know, and showed mm-hmm. us how to do a multitude of things. So shout out to oh, Miss Brady, man. Forever loving my heart for that, for that couple, for that pair. They now have a, a grown family now. Uh, they're just awesome. And, and, and foster care parents as well, man. It takes a, a, a great person to adopt children that aren't even yours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I, I'm kind of, I have that same, I have a teacher. Um, I had great teachers growing up when I was young as well, but the teacher that really stands out to me was at an opposite time in my life. Uh, I was, uh, probably, a, I was a senior. I was in my senior year, uh, taking college English. So English composition, uh, we offered that through a local college at, at my high school. And so I was taking that, taking that course in high school. Uh, and my teacher that, that taught that class really helped me kind of learn what I wanted like that what I wanted as my dream in sports writing um and so when I was writing in that class I kind of asked her if she would if she would just read through some of my articles if I wrote like a little makeshift article about the St. Louis Cardinals or something about their you know recent games or the Oklahoma Sooners you know whatever it was and she would read those for me give them back to me tell me things I needed to correct uh you know and tell me what I was doing good and so she really helped me find my dream and then of course I just spent a lot of time in her class with her in the mornings about life and about other stuff. So uh, she was a big time role model my senior year of high school. So uh, Mrs. Hour, she was she was great. I, I appreciate her a lot. Pretty cool. Last yeah, last think holiday, Kelvin. I think also I think oh, you call yeah. I recall you telling me about that. Uh, okay. About like when we first met, I think also. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. I, I can't I can't believe you remember that. Even if I had told you that that'd be so long ago. That's that's awesome that you remember that. Um, last one, real quick. This one's called National Different Colored Shoes Day, and this is just to kind of embrace uh, creativity. Have you ever worn two different colored shoes? Because Kelvin, I got to tell you, I'm pretty simple. I've never branched out and worn two different colored shoes. So you mean like have on like a blue Nike and like an orange Nike? That was yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what yeah. Call so. It, yeah, like, yes, I have. I don't know if you would consider sandal shoes or flip-flop shoes, but yes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I would. You, yeah, your, bachelor, your bachelor's day weekend, right. your bachelor's party weekend when we went to Six Flags. Yep. And I wore the red flop and the green flop. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, so that counts. I've, I, I'm pretty simple, I guess. I've never branched out and even tried it. I've seen it even on on the basketball court. Like, there's there's kids now who buy shoes they're they're the same pair of shoes but they're different colors like one will be you know like you said red one will be green or whatever um i've never branched out and done it i guess my creativity is lacking in terms of my outfits so uh but i just wanted to bring that one up because i thought it was a pretty cool little holiday uh like like i said it's just kind of about embracing that creativity and that uniqueness uh to your to your style and to your outfit so that's pretty cool i like that one as well yeah all right before we get started, you know it's time for the moment to do. And fair warning, I started to crack this open before the show, so it might be a dud. So bear, bear with me. This kid might not be very good. Just nice and short. That's all. It was still loud. Just nice and short. Yeah. All right, Kelvin, I-70 series kicks off tonight. And this will be the last of the 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 last of the four games the Cardinals and Royals play against each other this year. Uh one will be tonight, one on Wednesday night. Uh, just kind of looking looking at the matchups, looking at the two teams. Um, 
we'll go ahead and preview this pitching matchup first. Uh, the Cardinals are putting, I believe, Dakota Hudson on the mound tonight. Sorry, I'm trying to get to it. And, I, and, I, and if I remember right, there it's going to be a pretty good p- pitching matchup. Yeah, I think it's Hudson versus Brad Keller, who's winless, but he has a 2.1 yes. ERA. Yes, that's that's the matchup. Both both pitchers' ERAs are in the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, two point one nine for Keller. Hudson's is two point seven five. Uh, both their their WHIP, both pitchers' WHIP, which is walks plus hits divided by innings pitched, are low. Keller's is under one. It's point seven seven, while Hudson's is one point oh two. Both pitchers have been great so far this year. Looks like a good pitching matchup. I expect kind of a low scoring game. Uh, you know, now or both offenses have the ability to kind of. Uh, explode at times, so so maybe not. But I do expect a low-scoring game. What are you looking for in this matchup tonight? Yeah, so this seems like, you know, yesterday we got the 1-0 defeat from the Cardinals, yes. um, you know, and from two pitchers who aren't as, I guess, talented as the matchup we'll see today. The, yesterday's score seemed like it would be today's score. Yeah. Um, but not but with this matchup specifically, hey, both guys are just pitching well. Brad Keller, I think, is like getting into his groove. He's he was highly touted when he made his debut with the Rose. He's never really put it all together yet. He seemed he's gotten up at least to a good start to start this season. So uh maybe he has maybe he has entered his prime. Maybe he he has found his groove here at the major league level. So he's gotten up to a good start. Uh the Rose offense needs to get going. It's it's just been lackluster the last week. It's been pretty bad. So uh, they just need to get their things going, the bats going, and maybe they can get a W. Yeah, yeah. Royal's offense seems to be struggling, and I think that all kind of falls back to Salvador Perez. He's really struggled. Um, You know, and and with a guy who cranked, what, 50 home runs last year or close to it? Yeah, close to. Yeah. I want to say 48, 47. So, you know, a guy hitting the ball like that, hitting that many home runs. Yeah. you know, when, when you've got a guy swinging the bat like that last year, and he kind of falls off this year, that is a uh, that, that's obviously going to going to slow your offense down um, as you move forward. You know, in, in your season, so I think I think once Salvi gets going, the rest of that lineup will get going. Yes, Salvi, along with Whit Merrifield, um, our young talent hasn't come through yet with the likes of Bobby Witt. Nicky Lopez hasn't gotten his back going after batting three hundred last year. Uh, they just haven't found their groove. They haven't really gotten motion offensively. So, um, what you know, which puts more pressure on and on on an already young rotation and bullpen. So, once they find their groove, they'll find their way in, inside of more ball games and get them chance, give themselves a, a better chance to win some of these games. And they'll face off against some good opponents to start the season. It's not like the Rose have had any slouches to begin this season as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely, Kelvin. I gotta tell you, the one drawback about the studio being at my house is that when my dog sees another dog walk by our yard, <laughs> he is just not happy. And so I'm sure you've been able to hear it, but the last about minute, I've been a little off and it's because I'm trying to get my dog to get out of the window yeah. with paying attention to this other dog. It's, I don't know about you, GB. I, I, I've always found it fascinating how dogs treat other dogs and how humans treat other humans. We see another human in the in the distance and it's like, oh, there's a person. A dog sees another dog and the distance is like, oh, wait, there's another dog. Maybe I should try to get his attention. And how they just feed off each other. I just find that fascinating how they communicate. 
Yeah, and this dog is just roaming through town. I mean, he's he hasn't even really came that close, but my dog can see him. And yeah. He is so unhappy, shaking. <laughs> like he's literally shaking in in anger or irritation, whatever you want to call it. So, anyways, uh, back back to the show. Um, I, I think we got a great matchup tonight. Like you said, it may may look a lot like last night's uh, the the makeup game that was rained out earlier this year. Yeah, was played last night, and that was a great game, one zero. Uh, both pitching staffs were were excellent. Uh, the solo home run that Paul Goldschmidt hit off of Zach Greinke ends up being the only run scored. So um, I'm not going to say we could get another 1-0 game, but we're going to have another, I think, pitching battle uh, that I think is going to come down to the wire here. I think I think both pitchers will will do their job uh, in the first seven innings, uh, these starters. So yeah. I don't uh, know how much of that game you got to see. Uh, Shouts out to Michael A. Taylor, catch yes. of the year candidate. Center field, deep center. What a hell of a catch. Be- uh, I really picked catches. up his picture there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best catches, uh, probably the best catch so far this year, and just one of the better catches, you know, you'll see in terms of tracking back and uh, catching, robbing a home run. And, and, and the announcers mentioned it multiple times on the Cardinals broadcast. You know, that wasn't one of those where you hit it a mile high and he, and he has time to go back there and get underneath it and time it. I mean, that was a yeah. line drive, and he ran back and still jumped up and made that catch. So, great catch from Michael A. Taylor. I think that is, right now, catch of the year. Catch of the year. Um, you know, the Cardinals know a little bit something about defense as one of the best defenses in baseball last year. Mm-hmm. Never even gotten up to a good defense to start this year. The Royals also were one of the best defensive teams last year. I think Michael A. Taylor won a gold glove in the American League. So okay. uh, this is a great defensive series to begin with. So that probably – that's a, also, I'm sure, a part of the 1-0 score. Yeah. Uh, even when the ball is in play, we get, both teams have studs in their outfields and infields just to go make plays. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then game two, we'll just kind of talk about that one real quick. Uh, just since it's going to happen on Wednesday night, we'll just kind of discuss it briefly, uh, that pitching matchup as well. You have Adam Wainwright. Uh, for the Cardinals on the mound versus Chris Bubich, uh, who has struggled this year. He's 0 for 2 as well. The ERA is up around 10. Um, you know, this, this matchup I think is going to be a little different for, for Kansas City. I think they may have to rely on their bullpen uh, late, you know, may, maybe to bring in some innings if Bubich, you know, comes out and looks like he has early in the season. Um, you know, but, you know, may, maybe he comes out and has a much better game because I know he had some strong games last year. Uh, this is another young kid who who pitched a lot for the Royals last year. So, um, you know, maybe he gets it going here in the, on this Wednesday day game uh, against the Cardinals. But if not, I think the Royals are going to be looking to use a lot of bullpen uh, to to keep this game close. Yeah. So the rotation just have to they have to carry their end. So uh, Bubik has a really bad guy, a guy who can consistently put it together. He's had his strong starts, but none of it again being consistent. Okay. And they just have to carry the end of the bargain and try not to tax the bullpen as you as much. It's already a young bullpen. And um yeah, they just gotta carry the end of the bargain, the starting rotation. It's not that okay. deep, it's not that talented, but they gotta be able to put together some quality starts. Gotcha. Um both of these teams right now, um Royals are sitting below five hundred, Cardinals just a little above five hundred. What do you what have you seen so far from these teams? What are you looking forward to, I guess? what Or what do you expect um, for the rest of the year? We'll, I'll, I'll have you uh, go over the Royals specifically, and then I'll take the Cardinals. Yeah, they just put together better baseball. So, I think defensively, 
the Royals have been stout, pretty good. Okay. It's just the rotation and the bullpen. Um, they just struggle. And then you you combine that with the the offense that is yet to catch up right now. Uh, it's just been it's been a tough first month of the season offensively uh, and pitching. I know the first two weeks the Royals pitching was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then they hit a wall, and you know, and it's not like a a season ending wall, one of the, amongst the worst rotations and bullpens in the league wall, but it hasn't necessarily won games. So, uh, out of Baltimore, he's out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. I can't say I'm surprised, and I don't say that to be dismissive uh, and be emotionless, emotionalist. Uh, but it's not, yet it's another injury with the kid, and um, right now, I mean, hey. He's made of glass, and I don't know what else to say. He's out for the season. So that hurts in the middle of the infield and with speed, that base running, that defense. Um, But we caught up uh, our number two prospect, a top 50 prospect in the majors. We still have Bobby Witt Jr., who's a rookie. So I I wouldn't – I can't truly say I expected him to bat 400 with 50 home runs. He's he's a rookie, so he's going to be a rookie, um, which doesn't mean immediate success, like like we see across the league with other – rookie um, stars, but hey, it's a slow grind. It's, it's still early in the season and uh, they just have to catch up. You know, it, it's crazy because American League Central is playing good baseball right now. It is. Um, So the Royals just have to, you know, keep pace, stay patient and, and things will pick up. It just hasn't happened yet. I agree. Um, you mentioned Bobby Witt and just the kind of not, not, not quite in that groove yet with the bat, but like you said, you know, you're not going to expect crazy numbers from a rookie. Uh, but I'll tell you what, he's been pretty strong defensively. Um, you can't really he's been complain great with what, defensively. Yeah, you can't really complain with what you've seen on the defensive side. So uh, with with time, you, you see that from baseball players. Uh, when they're in a groove on defense, it's only a matter of time before that bat starts coming alive too. Um, you know, that, it doesn't always mean that, you know, oh, just because they've been good on defense, they're going to hit the ball great. Uh, that That's not what I'm saying. But that, that groove just kind of comes along. They get in that groove defensively. They're confident. Uh, they're comfortable, and then eventually that that work at the plate is going to come around too, um, and, and they'll start hitting the ball better. So I think it's only a matter of time before his bat comes alive. Um, and and really, I, th- I think with the Royals, I think you 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 mentioned it. You know, the the bullpen is is one thing that that I've noticed. Uh, I think I think I heard the other night too on the broadcast that it's uh, one of the worst in terms of runs allowed in the final three innings. So mm-hmm. that Royals pitching staff is is really on the back end has got to pick it up. And then Salvador Perez, I'm just going to come back to him. I mean, as soon as he starts hitting the ball, this team's going to be that much better. You have Andrew Benintendi right in front of him, uh, who's been hitting the ball great. As soon as you have Salvador behind him, driving him in, this Royals team is going to be clicking. So uh, I think they're right there. They're close. Uh, but like you said, it, it, it's it's a long season, and it may take a little while. But I think this Royals team can, can really turn it around. As for St. Louis – uh, look, they've, they've been fine, really. The pitching staff has been pretty good. Bullpen's been excellent. Uh, starters have kind of had some hiccups. Adam Wainwright's one uh, pitcher that I, I would really say has kind of performed, eh, you know, up and down. He's had some good starts, but he's had some starts that were kind of, uh, you know, not typical Waino starts. So, um, but I, I, I think other than a few rough starts, I think the pitching staff's been great. The offense is too inconsistent. Uh, that's really where I'm going to hang my hat. I think the defense is, is as good as you would want it to be. I'm going to hang my hat on the offense being inconsistent. Yeah, you get a few on there from your pitchers, but if you have a little more offense than what the Cardinals have been showing game in and game out, I think you win some of those iffy starts. So 
Uh, offense has just got to be more consistent. Nolan Arenado has been great. Tyler O'Neill has been solid, but he's, he's really hit a rough patch. Goldschmidt has been solid. Um, you know, Tommy Edmonds been solid. So really three, three batters in this lineup have been about as good as you would want them to be. Everybody else really needs to pick it up. Paul DeYoung, Dylan Carlson, uh, and some of those other guys, Yachty at, at catcher. Um, some of those, some of the outside of those three, Goldie, Arenado, and Edmund, everybody else needs to kind of pick it up. O'Neill's, like I said, he was good for a while, but he's kind of hit a rough patch too. So uh, more consistency with the bats, and I think the Cardinals will be just fine. Nice. I know. Right. I think it was O'Neill who made a great play yesterday in left field. He did, yes. Yeah. So, again, this the – if you if you enjoy baseball and defense, this is one of the matchups you want to see. Because both teams are outstanding defensively. Yep. On to the NBA. Uh, we're going to briefly just wrap up the first round series. Uh, let's just start with, because I think the last time we spoke, the Celtics were wrapping up the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, let's start here, because I want to talk about this team and really give them a hard time. The Dallas Mavericks uh, just completely dismantled the Utah Jazz. TV, your thoughts on that series, the Mavericks moving on, and the Utah Jazz? Yeah, um, it kind of t- kind of surprised me the way the way that series turned, uh, how it did, because because Luca wasn't really playing at the beginning of that series. Uh, I think he missed I, three games. Yeah, and I think Utah was up to one after those three games, and then you know he just comes back and. I guess that was all they needed, right? And it's kind of it, – it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, because of the star that Luka is. Um, but it really turned on a dime, and they, win, they went on to win that series 4-2 after being down 2-1. So it just seemed easy after that. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, what, what else there is for, that I can think of to say. Clear, clearly, you said you kind of want to give, some, give them a hard time. But, yeah, I, I, I think I'll just hand it off to you then because I – other than just it looked easy after Luca came in, I'm not sure what else I, I even have to say about that series. Hey, blow it up if you're the Utah Jazz. Blow it the hell up. I mean, complete bombs away. Uh, we've seen this from the Utah Jazz five straight seasons. Blow it up, all right? And I, I can't say that as if we've had great expectations, NBA Finals expectations, but they haven't even gotten to a conference finals. They haven't. All right? Just blow it up. I mean, truth be told, we can make the case. The Portland Trailblazers have gotten to a conference finals, and Laura knows we didn't think they were an NBA finals contending team. Mm-hmm. The Jazz haven't even gotten there. Just I don't – look, I don't know if it's Mitchell who goes or Gobert who goes. One of them have to go, and you got to re- – not, not necessarily rebuild, but retool. And find yeah. a way to evolve with the NBA. Because when Gobert – Gobert is a great regular season defensive player. In the postseason – I think that's when the best coaching comes out. And he's and he's just coached out of the game. As much as he's in the game, he's just not as efficient in, as and as effective. Blow it up, the Utah Jazz. And for the Mavericks, um, I think it's the same story. It's Luka first, and then who is going to step up? They stepped up in abundance against the Jazz. I don't know if they're going to have so much luck in this next series. Yeah, and look. Dallas's depth, I think, really made a difference in that series, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think we mentioned the last show, as well as Jalen Brunson. I think I mentioned both of those names. But their depth at the guard play, like, even when Luka was out, they were doing enough to hang with the Jazz. Sure, they were down 2-1, but they had themselves in a solid spot in that series. Um, 
you know, and and if they're down 3-0 when Luka comes back, you've got a much different ball game. So, um, now, could they have came back against the Jazz down 3-0? Maybe. I doubt it, just because no one's ever done it. Um, but maybe, just based off of the way they won three in a row anyways, down 2-1, maybe. Maybe they do uh, come back from down 3-0. So, but either way, that depth, I think, made a huge difference in that series. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson were huge, in my opinion. So, um, and looking forward, you mentioned just, you know, th- this next series that, that you, you're not sure. I uh, think next series for the Mavericks, they are uh, in a series with the Phoenix Suns. Um, so, you know, looking forward, I, I think they need that depth at the guard position because we know Phoenix Phoenix's guard play is going to be good with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and company. Um, yeah. So, so they're, they're going to have to continue to play well at the guard position if they want to continue their, their playoff run. And since we're talking Mavericks, I'll just put a bow with a quick analysis on that game one, uh, Mavericks versus Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Luka goes for 45 and like 10 or mm-hmm. uh, 55. It's one between that range. Goes 45 and 10 and they lose. It's Let this be the focus now if you're the Mavericks. I need a number two. As talented as Luka is, and I think he's borderline elite, top five mm-hmm. player in this league. He will not win or achieve anything by himself. Nope. All right, a 45-point game in the postseason, that's big-time stuff. I don't yeah. I don't care who does it. That's just big-time stuff. 45 in the regular season, no no big deal. 45 in the postseason, that's that's top-tier stuff. They won't go – they probably won't win a game in this next series. Oh. Uh, just to put a bow on that game one to get that discussion over with. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you up. You had 45 and 10. You were right, 45 points. 12 rebounds, add eight assists in there. Uh, right. So the, the man almost had a triple-double. Uh, and and the, next, the next closest scorers were Dorian Finney-Smith with 15, Jalen Brunson with 13, and off the bench, Maxi Kleber uh, had 19. He hit five three-pointers. Um, and, heck, let's, let's just add to Luca's amazing stat line. 15 of 30 shooting. That's 50% shooting the ball. And – he also was four of eleven specifically from the three point line, so nearly forty percent from the three point line. The man had a great game, and you're right. Uh, someone's got to step up and be a true number two, uh, a true second option, or you're probably not going to last against the Suns. Yeah, speaking of the Suns, they got rid of the New Orleans Pelicans, and what was really a tough, one of the better first round series, a really tough one. Uh, but the Suns were able to squeak out the final two games and get that over with in six. Hey, the Pelicans are coming. I don't. I. I. I think Zion meshes well with that current unit. I'm curious to see what it looks like. But the Pelicans are coming. I have the Suns coming out of the West. So I won't spend too much time on the Suns. But the Pelicans are coming. They are coming. Um, that that's a young, talented team. Brandon Ingram is is very fun to watch. They added C.J. McCollum. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is a big man. I'm not sure how long he's going to be with the Pelicans. Um, you know, just because he's getting up there in age, I'm not sure if that's a person that they want to keep around and continue to pay. Um, but nonetheless, he's a great big man. So if they have that that unit there, those three, plus you throw Zion in, as long as that man will get on the court, we haven't seen him. I saw a funny joke on social media when they were finally eliminated that said, you know, him and Ben Simmons finally announced to their teams that they were ready to play. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which is it's messed up, but it's funny at the same time because those men were sitting on the sideline all year long. Hey, that's that's a pretty good one. 
Uh, I, I'm disappointed in Zion and Ben Simmons, but you know what? This, their seasons are over. I'm, I'm going to let those guys head into the summer uh, with some peace. Uh, but look, I, I know this much. I expect to see him on the court at the beginning of next season. I'll just leave yes. it at that. All yes, right. Absolutely. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and when Zion's back on the court for New Orleans at the beginning of next year, they are going to be a threat. So they're going to be a uh, handful, 100%. Yep. yep. All right. Let's go uh, Eastern. The, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's go to the East. The Miami Heat uh, dismantled the Atlanta Hawks. I felt like we talked about it, but even if we didn't, we can go over here right now. Uh, they just completely dismantled. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young went from a 28-point-per-game score to averaging 15, 15 points in that series. TV, your thoughts? Yeah, they harassed him. Uh, and you kind of mentioned it. I, the last time we talked about it, it was 3-1. The Heat were leading 3-1 with game five coming up that night. Um, and they just kind of – they they were all over him. Uh, and, and talk about a second option. He needs that true second option score. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of shooters. And you have plenty of guys that can go get buckets, but you never really know who it's going to be. Is it going to be Capella that you're feeding, you know, on the, on the pick and roll? Is it going to be John Collins? Is it going to be uh, Bogdanovich shooting? Is it going to be Kevin Herter off the bench shooting? Uh, I, I think that's their big problem is it's just they have a lot of weapons, but they don't know who's their true number two uh, scorer. So I think that's what they need to figure out this offseason. Uh, maybe bring in another guy. Cam Reddish, I think, was down injured as well, which is another weapon. So they've got their options, um, but but they, they got to build around Trey a little more. Uh, they got to bring in a piece. I think you even mentioned last last week that, that you don't think Trey's a number one. You think they need to bring in a number one and let Trey be that second option. Either way, however they do it, they've got to bring in a better uh, piece to play alongside Trey Young. Yeah, so you said it. They they completely harassed Trey Young. Um, he just had a, a a really bad season by my standards. You make the Cinderella run last year. You followed it up with the playing game appearance, mm-hmm. and then you completely uh, wet the bed with 15 points per game. Um, and then not to mention your your soundbite where you were waiting on the postseason in you know during the first week of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Hey, go back to the get in the gym this summer. Uh, get a little bit bigger. Five, ten more pounds would be nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you put the pressure on your front office. I need help. As for Miami, this is why you get the one seed. All right, in any and all sports, yes. you get the one seed, and your path to the goal is just so much easier. Okay, you get the Hawks, and then you get an injured Seventy Sixers team. Yeah. This is why the one seed is so pivotal. They are going to, you know, they're going to get their stamp. They're going to submit their status in the Eastern Conference Finals. And regardless of who they face off against, they're going to have a chance because they they play with a chip on their shoulder. And I won't discount that team. They were just in the NBA Finals two years ago against LeBron James. They're they're well-equipped and they're well-prepared. Yes. Um, last thing on on the Heat, Heat and Hawks series. I think I had said even that night that, that the Hawks would extend it one more game, uh, which they obviously did not end up doing. Um, let me see. Yeah. And they lost by three in that game, 97, 94. So a close game. Uh, but like you said, Trey young was, was limited, uh, harassing him. He's got to find a way to maybe evolve to his game a little bit. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned a, a bad season. Look, I think it was, I think it was a okay season. Um, I think it was fine. It wasn't bad, I guess, to me. My thing is, is like that. I think it's just that sophomore slump type of thing. This was their second year at a run in the postseason. I think a lot of those young guys just kind of got overwhelmed in that series. 
Um, but they, they've got to wake up. I mean, there's, there, you can't go in and, and, and use that excuse of being overwhelmed or, you know, oh, they figured us out because, you know, we, we were young and it was only our second year in the postseason. I think the Heat probably did figure the Hawks out. Um, they certainly – the Hawks certainly weren't faced with that same New York Knicks team that they were able mm-hmm. to embarrass the year before in a 4-5 matchup, I think it was. And the Hawks just completely embarrassed the Knicks then um, by, I think, sweeping them and doing it on the Knicks' home floor. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, the, to, to put that team away the way they did, they were high, they were rolling, they were feeling good. They came in, and you're an eight seed now. You're not facing that same – four seed Knicks team that you faced the last year. And I think that, I think the heat were just too much for them, plain and simple. I expect the Hawks to be back, but again, if they want to make it further than the first round, they have got to add someone because it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, the, the older, the more developed Trey young gets, the more that teams are going to be watching him and learning how to play defense on him. Uh, so he, he's got to continue to develop and, and get better if he wants to make it past the first round and Atlanta has to get him some help. As for the Heat, you're right. One seed's great. Get that one seed, and you get the Heat the way or the Hawks uh, the way they were, and then now, like you said, and and we'll just allude into the 76ers with this. They get a banged up 76ers team. Uh, Kelvin, take us through the 76ers and how they got where they're at and why they're banged up. Yeah, so the 76ers got through the Toronto Raptors, who put up a fight, uh, just not a good enough fight. Mm-hmm. They 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 did away with this the Raptors, um, and and now. They have a injured, a concussed, and a Joel Embiid who has a torn ligament in his thumb. He will miss the first two games of the series. He missed game one, the heat route set filling. He will miss game two. There's a chance that he returns in game three back in Philly. So Philly's objective is just to steal one. I'm going to tell you this now. I don't think they steal one. I think they head back to Philly down 0-3. And again, the bet is made for the Miami Heat. They will go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll just call it now. I don't think they possess enough, even when he returns, to come back down from a 0-2 hole. I just don't think they have it. Yeah, I, I agree. They're going to go back to Philly down 0-2. I don't even think Joel Embiid returns. I He might, like you said, but I think it's a reach uh, to even bring him back. He took the yeah. elbow to the he took the elbow to the face as well from Siakam, and I think that fractured something. Uh, on on the on the facial facial on the bone there underneath his eye, so maybe not, maybe I'm mistaken on that, but um, just uh, you know, I I think I'm with you. I think that that they are in over their heads with Embiid being injured. Uh, if he's not 100, percent if he's not even close to 100, percent you know, maybe you run him out there at 80, percent but uh, you you want him to be healthy. He's your franchise player. You don't want to injure him just trying to get past the Miami Heat this year. So if you have to, you know, don't don't send him back out there and just take the take the loss and, and get ready for next year when Embiid's healthy. So uh, I'm with you. I think the Heat have booked their ticket into the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and I, I feel so confident in saying that is James Harden, where the hell are you? Yeah. All right. Where? 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 And, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks finished off the Chicago Bulls, who had a roller coaster of a season, started really, really high, finished really, really low, yet a really good season. Shouts out to DeMar DeRozan, because I think he really proved something to excuse me, the world, at least the NBA, uh, that hey, he's you can build around him. Maybe he alone isn't what it takes to win a championship, but if he's your number two, um, you, I think you have a, a legit chance at winning an NBA title. As your number one, I don't, maybe not. 
but they finished off those guys. That the Milwaukee Bucks are now in a tight squabble with the Boston Celtics as they took game one, uh, where they truly, I don't want to say dominated the Celtics TV, but handled them quite handily without Chris Middleton. Uh, the Bucks, mm-hmm. just like we see with reoccurring postseason teams, they look like they have found their postseason stride. They currently have the best player in the world. I don't want to punch their ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals, but man, <laughs> it looks like they're heading there. Your yes. thoughts? Yeah, look, it's going to be tough for Boston to, to come back. Like you said, that game one was really, if you don't want to say dominated, it was definitely handled. Uh, Milwaukee took care of business. Um, they beat Celt- the Celtics in game one, and, you know, I – I think this ends up being a good series. My initial pick was Bucks and seven, so I think this is a good series. Uh, but but Boston's got to figure it out, and they've got they. I think they have to win game two. They can't go down 0-2 and head to Milwaukee, uh, down 0-2 no. to where the, no the Bucks way. are at home. So they've got to win game two, which is tonight at six o'clock. So um, they they, they got to come up come in ready to go uh, in game two. No no sleeping, no falling asleep. You got to have a good first quarter, and you got to close with a good fourth quarter. Uh, Boston's got to start. Go ahead. No, good thought. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say got to they got to start well and finish well. Good first quarter, good fourth quarter. Yeah, my thing with Boston, they completely ran through a poor defensive team and a team who didn't have the chemistry that it takes to win in the postseason in the Brooklyn Nets. Now they run into the defending champions. And this the defending champions have the best player in the world on their team. And I know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are great two-way players, all respectively in their own way. But this is just a different beast, all right? I, 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 get, I get it. KD is single-handedly one of the greatest isolation one-on-one scorers ever. All right, But this team and this player in Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're just different, all right? It's just a poor defensive team, a team with no cohesion, and a team that is just a walking distraction, and then you got to face off against Giannis and the Bucks. It's I know we were all jumped on the hype train, but boy, in game one, they hit a wall, all right? And they hit a tall seven-foot freak of a wall. Yeah. And I don't I don't want that game one to, to be – I don't want to foresee into the series and say that game one is how the series is going to go. But Jesus Christ, I, they don't have an answer for Giannis. I don't know if anyone does. Kawhi did once upon a time, so I know it's possible. But they don't have an answer. They don't have a Kawhi winner. And I think Milwaukee can just match up with Boston defensively. Like, they can hold Tatum and they can hold Brown. And that's without Chris Middleton, who is a good perimeter defender. I I just don't see the path for the Boston Celtics. I really don't because I think we're watching Giannis at his peak. All right, and I think yeah. we're watching the the Bucks <laughs> without Middleton. That, I can't say they're at their peak because Middleton is a very valuable piece. But man, it, Drew Holiday is a beast defensively. I know Marcus Smart as a guard just won Defensive Player of the Year. Watching that game, I can't sit here and tell you that he's any better than Drew Holiday on the defensive Ooh. side of the ball. Okay, Brook Lopez is stout in the middle. Sorry, I made that so long. I just wanted to give the credit to the Bucks. That is a championship team, man. I, they may yeah. be looking at it back to back to me. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Look, I'm man, not going to say that. I don't want to spoil it, but maybe. They, look, they're tough. They beat a good a good Bulls team. We mentioned, of course, they were struggling down the stretch. 
Uh, if that Bulls team isn't struggling down the stretch the way they were, we may see that series go at least one more game. It was only yeah. a five-game series. But look, man, they, they took down a really good team, uh, and they shut down everyone but DeMar DeRozan. I mean, they just made it easy right. on themselves. They said, right. okay, we'll let we'll let DeMar get his, but no one else is getting buckets. Zach Levine was shut down. Alex Caruso, who I think was hurt at times, was shut down. That, that team was just shut down outside of DeMar DeRozan, and they said, hey, we'll let him have his, but no one else on this floor is going to beat us. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, the Bucks look tough right now. Uh, I, I think you said you weren't going to, like, you know, give them that ticket into the Eastern Conference Finals. I won't do that either. Like I said, I, I picked them in seven anyways, but – so I think Boston has some fight in them. I think Boston's going to come back and make a good series out of this. But don't be shocked if the Bucks go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, just just to correct, I don't want to punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. I think they got enough to get past the Bucks. I just, mm, man, so. I, yeah, I just, I, yeah, thank you. Get past the Saturday. I'm just really impressed with the Bucks. Yes, sir. Um, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a fan of quality, quality, high level, high IQ basketball. And then again, just, just because I love sports and I love to watch someone at the peak of their powers. I didn't get to see the likes of a Jordan at the peak, the greatest peak of all time. They say there's no ever, there's never been a greater player. I'm in my lifetime where I'm young enough to understand basketball. I'm watching mm-hmm. Giannis at his freaking peak. And I don't yeah. think there's an answer on the Celtics. I don't think there's an answer in the East. I don't know if there's an answer in the NBA. <laughs> Ooh, right. let, us, let us hear it. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, yeah. I, the Bucks are rolling. I'm. I can't wait for Game Two. I'm going to find time. I'll be at work. I'm definitely going to find time to watch this game. Uh, if I miss something at work, so be it. But I got to watch some of this game. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know I got two more series. The Warriors get rid of the yep. Denver Nuggets easily. I don't want to spend too much time on this one because hey, the Nuggets don't play defense, and Jokic is probably an elite player who had no help. So that's all I got for that series. Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned the Jazz and and having to tear it up. What I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you, what, what do you think about the Nuggets? You know, with Jokic, an MVP caliber player, had an MVP caliber season. Uh, do you think they tear it up? Do you think they just add pieces to help Jokic? What do you think they need? Now, I know Jamal Murray, I don't even know, did he even play this year at all? He did not. Not that he didn't yeah. dribble the ball. So, to answer your question, it's a good question. I don't think they blow it up, but I think they have a long, hard look in the mirror with – uh, Michael Porter Jr. Jamal okay. Murray is coming back next season. And I think mm-hmm. it's smart. He set out the whole NBA season. Don't rush back from an ACL injury. You want to make sure you're confident and comfortable when you return back to the court. So good for him. Michael Porter Jr., though, similar to like an Adalberto Montesi, has all the tools, just can't stay healthy enough to flourish. All right? Yeah. He's had his moments, but – you know, he's aging, and it, well, by, when I say aging, he's only 23, 22 years old. But it's just like, hey, is he worth it? All right, so we got these two. We got we got our foundation in, in Jokic and Murray. Porter is supposed to be that third guy, a quality third guy, probably someone who's better than the number three, who can take us over the top. You look in the mirror and say, is this guy really worth it? The Nuggets will be fine. I, but no, to answer your question, they do not blow it up. Stay impact. Okay. Remain patient. They got to get better defensively, though. So if you could flip Michael Porter for some perimeter defending, that would be great because they can't okay. defend. They couldn't defend me, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
I be, defense, I think, is huge for them. And, and, and I'm with you. I don't know if they need to tear it up, but they might need to look at flipping something. If that's Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jamal Murray, both of those guys have, have dealt with injuries. Uh, Murray, Murray and Porter Jr. So, um, you know, may, maybe they, they, they got to keep those guys healthy or maybe they go away from one of those guys to find someone who's going to be on the floor more often to help Jokic out uh, because he needs it. He's not going to be able to do it all on his own. He's, he's already playing like an MVP, and that's without, you know, really that much support. He's got some other guys, but uh, he needs Murray, Murray and Porter Jr. on the floor as much as possible. Big time. And they will be fine. They will be a, a handful next year. They have to make those improvements during the offseason. And I guess you just got to start defensively. Like, I think Jokic will carry the offense. And then Murray is a, a scoring combo guard. They will be fine with offense. And hopefully Porter comes back. And he's a great offensive talent. Mm-hmm. Defense is their struggle. And I just don't know. With those three on the court at the same time, I don't know how you can be great defensively. Yeah. So, that's my only thing with the Denver Nuggets. Um, and then I got, what, one more series? I don't know. Yes, thank you. The Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was a great series. Very entertaining. Yes. Uh, but they do away with the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves. I won't speak too much on the Grizz because they're currently in the squabble with the Warriors. And I think the Grizz gave away game one. As for this series with the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves are just young, ignorant, and naive. All right? And I don't say that disrespectfully. They just don't know any better. The fouls, the offensive fouls, the turnovers, the yep. gambles, they just don't know no better. And that just comes with experience, all right? You have to lose before you win. They took a really good loss this postseason. They will be ready, not ready to continue for a title, but they'll just be ready to give teams fits next season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they're two years away. I think I think they're similar to, to who I thought the Atlanta Hawks were this year. Um, I, I think – I think next year they'll be similar to those Atlanta Hawks, right? They, they came in, they had a good little series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Edwards was good. Cat was good. D'Angelo Russell was good. But really, this is each player's first run in the right. season. Right. D- D'Angelo spent some time with the Lakers, but I think that was prior to LeBron, wasn't it? Prior to any of the – it was even prior to the Disney COVID season in Florida. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was like the really the tail end of Kobe. That's what I thought. Yeah, um, where the Lakers were like a bunch of nobodies essentially. Mm-hmm. Jeremy uh, Lamb, yeah. I think, was even there. Maybe like yeah, yeah. It was yeah. yeah. So so he he's not really been on that playoff run. So this was their first shot at it. They come back next year, they're going to be stronger and better. And like you said, yeah. some of that some of that ignorance and and being naive, some of that's going to go away because they're going to learn. You know, yeah, it's fun. But a lot of that talking that Cat does, just keep 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 that mouth shut and keep playing ball. Um, yeah, sure. And a, and a lot of those offensive fouls, you know, they get a little too emotional and they make some bad plays. So a lot of that's going to go away next year. They're going to be even better. Uh, but I still think they're two years away. But they're a good team. If they can keep those three together, they're going to be really good. The Grizz, um, I, they're not. They're they're the opposite. They're actually they're not. The complete opposite because they're young too, so they don't they really know. I think they're I think they're inexperienced with showing this series, and I got the the I I wouldn't be truly I would not be surprised because the Grizzlies have been a horrible road team in this postseason. I wouldn't be surprised. I put it out there if they get swept. Their best player is a scoring athletic guard. Mm-hmm. I don't think that is a recipe for success. Especially mm-hmm. against a team as deep as the Go to State Warriors, and they can just match up with them defensively. Not with athleticism, 
But just with IQ, a defensive player of the year in Draymond, uh, Clay, hey, Stephen Curry made a great deflection or block to seal that victory uh, with that turnover there late in that game. So you even got guys like that making plays defensively. I I don't know. I just – I like the Grizzlies, and they're exciting, and they're with the darlings of the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. I, I can see those guys getting swept. Because going back to Oakland, they're not, not going to win two in Oakland. Now we're Curry and Poole playing like this, and Draymond got ejected. So you know when they return home, they're going to be amped. I can see this. I can see the Grizzlies getting swept. I really can. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface what I'm about to say by saying, I don't mean this to say that the Timberwolves didn't have any dogs and they didn't have any grit, but I think the difference is that Grizzly, the Grizzlies, man, their nickname has always been. I mean, this is going back to Mike Conley and Zebo Zach Randolph days. Yeah. Their their nickname is Grind City, right? They've got that grit. They've got that grind. Yep. And they still have that mentality. John Morant has that mentality. Desmond Bain has that mentality. Uh, a few of those other guys, Dylan Brooks, they just grind it out. Um, and I think that's what sets, set them apart in that series is I think flashiness is, is more of a word for, for Minnesota. They're, they're young with that. Again, we'll go back to what you said, kind of being naive. They're flashy too. They like to make yeah. the flashiness. And I'm not saying John Morant isn't flashy because he certainly is. But I think the Grizzlies have that grit, and I think they have that ability to grab one against the Warriors. I'll say that they win tonight, but I think that's the last one they win. Uh, I think, or only one they win. They'll win tonight and make it one-one. But then I think when the Warriors go back to Golden State, they're going to grab both of those and go up three-one. And then I think that series is 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 all but in the books at that point. So um, I, I just think the grittiness of Memphis—they they only lost by one on Sunday night in Game One. Right. So. Um, I, I'll give them. I'll give them game two. Uh, but I think that's all they get. I think their grittiness and their, and just their toughness is gonna give them that ability to get game two. Uh, but I'm with you after that. I think I think Golden State's just gonna be too much. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Draymond Green, they've all been there. They've been there multiple times. Uh, and I think that that trio can get it done uh, against Memphis pretty easily. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go out on a limb with the hot take. I'm just gonna say it. I think they swept the swept the Grizzlies. Okay, stealing game one without Draymond Green, Curry wasn't even at his best. Jordan Poole kept them in the game. You know, um, I haven't been like a huge believer in him. Hey, but he's doing it at this level with those teammates, man. I mean, he's making me a believer. And I mean, look, the the Warriors. I think they got something to prove. So they do. Yeah, I got I got Warriors game too. Yeah, and, and Jordan about Jordan Poole, man. It's just he he's young, and so it's hard to to like like can we believe we're gonna get this at all times? As this year goes on, he gets more and more trust trustworthy. You know, like this this man's game has just been great all year. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I just said it. He's making me a believer because yep. he's this one. I think he hit a wall. He comes back and jumps twenty five. Yep. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, man, he's he's doing his thing. Um, and it, is that it for the first round? I think, I think that, we covered it. Yep, we covered it all. I think. So let's, let's go real quick. Don't want to spend too much time because we're already up there on on the show. Uh, we'll just go a few minutes. Uh, tell me, you know, just kind of tell me what your thoughts were on the Chiefs' picks. Um, if you have them handy, just who they selected this year, and then I'll give you kind of a rundown on on the Broncos' draft picks as well. Yeah, so hey, the Kansas City Chiefs crushed it in my opinion. Okay. 
Um, they got they filled every position of need, and I think they did it with quality players. I spent a lot of time post draft just researching all of the players. Um, they get a they got a they got a top tier corner, top tier slot corner, an undersized outside corner in Trip McDuffie, but he can play the outside. Uh, okay. Not every wide receiver is six six, so he can hold his own. High IQ, he fights competitive. Anyone that comes up and make tackles. Uh, we got another linebacker, Leo Chanel, who I'm excited about. They say he makes a great middle linebacker. Can't really cover. The Chiefs were a horrible run defense team, so he's great in the box. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, to compliment already, a Mike Bolton who was one of the better rookie defensive players last year. Uh, who else we get? Um, uh, Califanakis. Yeah. I butchered that name. But it's been rich reviews on him. You know, short arms, high motor, uh, high effort, you know, great run defender. I, you know, great with his hands. He needs to be better. You know, I've seen, I see, I, some people think he'd be great. Some think, eh, you know, he can just be a great rotational piece. Nonetheless, he's better than what we had last year. Okay. She's more horrible in the defensive trenches outside of Chris Jones. You, just, you get younger. You get a high motor. I think that votes well for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs had a great draft. They filled positions of need. I think they just got better. Uh, I said it prior to the draft, if I'm Brett Veach and company, I go heavy on the defense. That's what the Chiefs absolutely did. They got Sky Moore. Let's just, I just want to put this out there. Nobody can replace Tyreek Hill. Right? Okay. Nobody can uh-huh. do that. There's only one of him. All right. But Sky Moore has good speed. He's a little bit bigger than Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's greater. He's greater off press. He's greater in the box. Uh, he's great intermediate routes. Uh, great hands. I think that was a great pickup. I think the offense will be great. They picked up another offensive liner who's just really mean. Another big guy who's going to transition to guard in the NFL. The okay. Chiefs will run the ball more. I think they are building the offense not around Patrick, but around the offensive line who okay. we rebuilt in one season and heading into this upcoming season is one of, if not the best offensive line in football. They yeah. will run the ball more and still have some of that explosiveness. Watch out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, and so you you went over George Karloftis, right? Defensive end that, from Purdue? Yes, thank you yeah. for pronouncing that correctly, yeah. Okay, well, I'm looking at the list now. Trent McDuffie, you covered. You covered Sky Moore just now. Uh, you, went yeah. over the, you went over the linebacker. It uh, looks like at the end of the second round, you also picked up a safety, Brian Cook from Cincinnati. Brian Cook, yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. I know you went over that linebacker. We picked up another corner from an HBCU. Uh, I mentioned Trent McDuffie's height and size, 5'10". This guy from the HBCU, uh, 6'2", 6'3", very long. I think he was the first player drafted out of a HBCU this season, so I think that says a lot. Um, there's a boatload of potential, high floor there, high ceiling possibly. So I, I think the Chiefs yeah. just crushed it. They needed to be better up front and on the outside. They shored up their safeties with, the, with Brian Cook, who was in the middle of a really, really talented Cincinnati Bearcats defense this past season who made yeah. it to the yeah. Final Four. Um, man, I think they just hit it out the park. Okay. Yeah, and that the name of that that guy you were just mentioning from the HBCU, he went to Fayetteville State. Uh, yep. Name was name was Joshua Williams. So that's the other corner there. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna go over Denver's man. It it was late. It was the very end of the second round, uh, and I told you 
when, when we kind of previewed it, I, I wanted the Broncos to stay away from offense and target defense. Uh, yeah. Specifically, I thought they needed to get better in the linebacking spot and then just kind of sure up a few pieces everywhere else, corner, safety, whatever, uh, defensive front. And they did. They started with linebacker, very last pick of the second round. They went and got Nick Benito from Oklahoma, uh, which I think is a great pick. That helps as an edge rusher. Uh, edge rusher slash outside linebacker. He's probably going to play both positions. And I think that helps, you know, Bradley Bradley Chubb when, when blitzing the quarterback. So I like that move. Nick Benito, it's going to take him some time. He's not going to be helping Bradley Chubb game one. But, you know, week four, week five, he's going to make his way into that uh, rotation a little more. And I think he's going to help pressure the quarterback with Bradley Chubb. Uh, then Denver had two real quick picks in the third round. Um no, sorry, that was the fourth round where they had two quick picks back-to-back. Third round, they went with a tight end from UCLA, uh, Greg Dolchich. I'm not huge on the tight end pick that early. I kind of wish they would have jumped to uh, defense or offensive line in that spot. But uh, they thought Dolchich, he's, he's a good pass catcher. They thought he was going to help complement Albert O. So, you know, they, they know more than I do in terms of that. And so they, they, they jumped all over that tight end there. Back to the fourth round, they went back to defense. They grabbed a cornerback from Pittsburgh, Damari Mathis. They grabbed a defensive end from Iowa State. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. It's uh, very, very tough. Uh, but defensive end from Iowa State, who is expected to, to come out and be able to play pretty early as well. Um, and that's it for the fourth round. But really, like I said, I just I wanted them to target defense. I don't know how early some of these guys can play, uh, but they did. They grabbed a, a defensive position in every category. Uh, in the fifth round, they went and grabbed a safety, another kid from Oklahoma, Delarin Turner-Yell. So uh, they, they did. They grabbed linebacker, defensive front, safety, and corner. Uh, I'm very pleased with, with going after all those defensive positions. Uh, like I said, I maybe wouldn't have reached for the tight end so early. Um, but, you know, if, if they thought he was a, a good value at that spot and that he can really help us uh, doubling down on our tight end, then I'll, I'll take that. So uh, those, those are the picks that stood out to me from Denver. Yeah, so I, I think the Chiefs and Denver were aligning with some of the same things. Go defense. I think Denver's offense will be great next season. I'm, a, I'm not too concerned what they offer up at that quarterback position. Yeah. In the backfield. Bless me. And, and, and on the outside. Thank you. I think they'll be great offensively. Um, and if you're the Broncos, I think you were just supposed to double down on defense. And already talented defense, go harder. Yep. So um, I, I'm not too up on what they what they did in their prospects. Um, unbiasedly, I I just I do think though the Chiefs retooled at a high level, mm. and uh, the defense would be very young, but they're someone's talent. I think they'll be able to keep themselves in games, and we got the quarterback who can actually go out and win games. So, yeah. hey, the AFC West. It's gonna be it's fun. Gonna be a bloodbath. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be it's fun. Gonna be hard. The Chiefs haven't lost multiple games in the division in like seven years. So honestly, I can truly say I think that may happen this year. Yeah. Um, I don't want to lose to the Bron- uh, to the Raiders at all. Just to call it what it is. I think we should beat those guys two zero every season. Yeah. I could foresee the Chiefs losing. I know we got the winning streak against the Broncos. I can foresee the Chiefs losing to the Broncos and our Chargers this afternoon. Okay. Um, yeah, look, I think both teams are set. The Chiefs, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. It just I I'm not if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm not even worried about losing Tyreek Hill. Yes, it hurts, it does, but the offense 
the offense is allowed to take a step back if that defense improves. The offense doesn't have to be the same if that defense improves. And Patrick Mahomes is talented enough that as long as you, we mentioned it, as long as you don't have me and you out there play, catching passes, that offense is going to be fine. Just um, fine. So, I, look, I think the Chiefs will be fine. I think the Broncos have improved. I think the Chargers improved slightly. The Raiders have even improved some. They, of course, got Devontae Adams. Um, so, th- this, this division is stacked. It's going to be loaded. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, very excited to see to see what happens. You know, it'll be a couple months, but we'll be back, I'm sure, with plenty of NFL talk before the season uh, gets up and rolling. So, uh, last little bit on the draft here, Kelvin. Completely different uh look than what we're used to uh quarterbacks were heavy these last few years we went with five defensive players in the first five picks uh Trayvon Walker of Georgia went to the Jaguars Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan to the Lions Derek Stingley Jr. a cornerback to the Texans Ahmad Gardner Ahmad Sauce Gardner his nickname is Sauce uh to to the Jets from Cincinnati then you even had Kayvon Thibodeau uh, a defensive end to the to the Giants first five picks or defensive players, and then you add a couple O-linemen to the Panthers at six and to the Giants at seven before you finally got a wide receiver at number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, just a completely different draft than what we're used to seeing. What does that mean to you? Uh, were teams just needing defense more? Do you think the talent was just that heavy on defense? Uh, what do you think happened here in this draft? Yeah, so, you know, defense – Defense can be really, very, very expensive, especially at the premium positions. And you're already paying per quarterback. You know, I think a franchise tag is thirty million. Just, just off top, you just if you give any quarterback a franchise, that's the average salary at the position. That's already, you know, ten percent of your salary cap. Not to mention now we're paying wide receivers thirty million a season. Thank you, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> um, so you got to get younger. You got to get better. You got to get cheaper. And if you can get a premium position like edge and or corner, you go get it. And at the top of the draft, there was a lot of talent at those two positions. So, um, yeah, I mean, shoot. Hey, <laughs> hey, I don't know. <laughs> I wish the Chiefs was in that top five. I really do because yeah. I would have loved a soft or stingly. But, yeah. um, no, I mean, that's just – it is what it is. Our first quarterback wasn't taken until we're like 20. And then we yes. didn't see our next quarterback taken until like the third round. Yes. So, Precisely. I mean, yeah, that's what a, what a wild draft. Yeah. Last last pick. What do you think? Or last question here. What do you think? Sp- speaking of, of where the quarterbacks went, what do you think of Kenny Pickett to the Steelers at twenty? Uh, they they chose Pickett, the Pittsburgh guy. You know, he went to Pittsburgh University. He's that hometown yeah. kid. What do you think of them taking Pickett over Desmond Ritter uh, of Cincinnati or Malik Willis, who was highly uh, kind of touted, highly highly recruited, scouted, whatever, uh, out of Liberty for, for Malik Willis? What do you think of them taking Pickett over Ritter and Willis? I, it seems like the Pittsburgh type of quarterback. It, it just doesn't seem that far off. Yep. Um, I do recall watching Pickett once on ESPN um, – and I wasn't like overly impressed, but I didn't think he was bad neither. I thought he was like that's he he's an NFL quarterback, you know, you know. And, that, and if I recall correctly, they won the game that I watched on ESPN. So, or it was like the ACC Network, one of the two. Yeah. But um, no, he's he seems like a Pittsburgh type of quarterback. I think he'll do just fine. That's a world class organization with a great fan base, with a great head coach currently in place, already a talented team. So. 
They got a great running back. They got weapons on the outside. He's going to come in and not be asked to do a whole lot. Yeah. You just – you be the best version of you and don't turn the ball over, okay? Yep. So, I think I, I think it was – I, I think he hit it out the park with that pick. I think he can be a good quarterback and a good quarterback for the Steelers. I think really – I think my top three quarterbacks in this draft were Pickett, Ritter, and Willis, um, I, in my opinion. This class, though, it wasn't strong enough for me to really set any of those three apart from from one another. I think they were all they're all going to be able to be good quarterbacks. They have that chance get put put in the right system, given the right opportunity. I think they all have a chance to be good. Um, I am surprised though that they didn't go with Willis or Ritter. I I thought they would go with Willis or Ritter. They seem to fit this Pittsburgh scheme more. You know, you've got the running back Najee Harris. You you've got kind of that new style, maybe running running the ball is more common now or being able to have that mobile quarterback. Not that Pickett isn't mobile, but Willis and Ritter are a little more mobile. I thought they'd go somewhere else. But I'll tell you why it makes perfect sense for Pittsburgh. And I'm going to tell you – or I'm going to give you this this thing that I, maybe I'm crazy on, but this is how I feel. I think there's two franchises in all of the sports world that really stand out as like tradition-rich um, – and, and there's more than two, but there are two that come to mind. Just very tradition-rich, uh, very loyal to their city and loyal to the area. They, they want everything kind of in-house, and they want to be that just tradition-rich type city. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are that way, and I think the St. Louis Cardinals are that way a lot. And I think they want – I think they wanted that picket. I think they wanted Pickett because he came from Pittsburgh University. And so they got that kid who's already played in the city. And then he gets to just come across to Heinz Field, a field he's familiar with, he's played in. Um, and they get to keep that kind of tradition. Pickett just doesn't even move. He just comes from Pittsburgh University to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I, th- I think it, that's why it makes perfect sense for the Steelers. No, that's fair. That was well said about those two franchises and those fan bases. Um yeah, I mean, if to be honest, I think the Steelers have the best traveling NFL fan base. Like the Steelers, really, they really hit the road for their team, and yeah. those terrible crowds and they're loud. They really hit the road well. Uh, and then, hey, if I, I've never been to another baseball stadium, but after going to Bush, I don't know if I need to go to another <laughs> baseball stadium. I think Kaufman is great, and it's a great baseball city, rich in baseball with the Royals and its history. Uh, but Bush, Bush is just times two, man. Yeah. It's a great franchise, great fan base. It's a great venue. Um, they got the history. They got recent history with championships and the Hall of Famers. It's it's like that. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. well said. One hundred percent. All right, man. I think that'll wrap us up. Um, I mean, the, the, those other three quarterbacks all went in the third round: Ritter, uh, Malik Willis, and Matt Coral. Uh, we, we mentioned those guys going Ritter to the Falcons, Willis to the Titans. Coral to the Panthers. All those quarterbacks, I think, have a chance to play this year. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill at the Titans. Matt Ryan has been at the Falcons. Uh, the Panthers, Sam Darnold. I wouldn't be surprised if those three guys get some play time this year, uh, Kelvin. I'm not saying they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think all three of those guys have a shot to be uh, starting some games for those teams. For sure. I love Willis to the Titans. Love yeah. it. I adore that pick. I think that's a phenomenal pick for the Titans. Yes. But all right, we will be back. We will discuss more NFL, like I said, probably once the season gets closer. But that's our roundup of the draft and just what we saw. And uh, we'll be back with you guys on Saturday uh, for another edition. Thank you, guys. See you Saturday.